You already know how shit go. Hey, have you heard about Clap Cleats? Literally the sex socks company helping to give you more traction for the action and more thrust for the lust. I'm going to tell you why this company went viral on TikTok and sold out in a week. Clap cleats are made of a high-performance bamboo material superior to cotton. Each sock is individually five-toed for a secure fit with a great polymer grip on the soles, under your toes, and at multiple points of contact with the ground. These are not one-size-fits-all and require you to select your shoe size for precision fit. In most sports, there are special sneakers or cleats to make sure you perform your best. So why not in the bedroom? Probably because the most important physical activity you are doing. So it's time to drive with your legs just like an athlete and show your A-game where it counts most. So go to clapcleats.com. Use our promo code WALKER for 15% off at checkout. Again, use promo code WALKER for 15% off at checkout. So everyone, I'm glad that you're listening to another episode of the World According to Walker. I have a very special guest. Uh, Michelle is joining me. Hey. <laughs> okay thanks michelle <laughs> so um you know michelle and i have been friends for a long time i know she doesn't want to consider me to be a friend but uh we started as co-workers we became friends you know during work after work blah 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 and so we just uh continue being friends for a long time and i see that she has you know started a very successful side business um and so yeah so michelle what is the business that you you currently have yeah so i currently have uh it's called yarn thrift and basically it's a crochet company so i have an online blog i have physical products and i also design crochet patterns which is cool i mean it's not too granny of an activity uh the way that i do it i know a lot of people think crochet and they're like oh the blankets that my grandma used to make me and that's not what i do <laughs> um no but it's basically like modern clothing like stuff i would see at like a forever 21 and i'm like oh I like that idea or I see a design element and I design something not the same, but I basically take inspiration from my favorite clothing brands and I get to make it myself, which is pretty cool. Outstanding. That's uh, and you just came up with this idea. Like, did you always have the Like, did it start out as a hobby when you were a child or like? Yeah. I mean, I learned, I think when I was eight years old, had a crochet. Definitely not a child prodigy at it either. Um, Stuff looked ridiculous that I made. But um, during the pandemic, I picked it back up again. Like I think a lot of people did. It was just you needed a hobby. Um, And I started out making a blanket for my dad just thinking, oh, you know, he'd probably enjoy something like we're all separated. Um, And then I was like, you know, I kind of want to make a blog. I kind of want to try and design my own pattern. And so I, I tried it on a few easier things first and the more I did it, the more I was like, you know, I really enjoy this. I think it's something I want to keep going for. Interesting. So, yeah. So, all right. So question for you, because I'm <clears throat> curious for the background for everyone listening. Uh, so I met you at Cole's, what are you, 17? You're in 18 high school? Yeah, 17 or 18. I think I started when I was a junior in high school. Holy shit. Yeah. Long time ago. So... Yeah, Michelle and I, we worked at Kohl's. She was a junior or senior at the time. Um, And yeah, no, she was just introduced to a very wild retail environment, I would say. I don't think it was, I don't think it was, I don't think it was normal even for retail standards. No, not even a little bit. It's definitely not what I was expecting as a teenager. And it was also a wild group of people. Yeah, yeah. And like for everyone listening, like nothing wild was like while she was like 16 or 17. No. It was just the the customers were wild. And then the like 
the older that she got and like the the longer we continued to work there that's when she like really got to know me as just a wild person and uh everyone that worked at that store was just it was just a wild environment yeah it it just it it wasn't normal i was um I, I was reminiscing with with a friend the other day because I was telling her about like working at Kohl's and like how all the customers were like pull schemes and shit like that. And so I was telling her this is before you started working there. But we had I want to say it was my first or second year. And I started at Kohl's in 2010. I left in 2015. So this is around 2011 or 2012. So what happened was we didn't have a large like Hispanic or Latin American like clientele base. It wasn't that large. So we used to have customers, they would come in with a $10 Spanish coupon. It wasn't, it wasn't during your time. I know the, the look on your face, like it's only going to get more wild and wild. I'm just reminiscing All this right. shit. So the customers would bring in non, non, non-Hispanic, non-Spanish speaking, they would bring in $10 coupons. And so some of them, they would switch tags on certain goods. Like they would, um, they would find kids clothes that were probably like $15. They take that tag. They would go put it in a handbag. So a $50 handbag could cost $15 and they would use a $10 Spanish coupon. So the cashiers, we would just take it. And so the store probably lost 95% of that revenue off of that shit. So the, the wild thing is that the coupon was in Spanish, but it was a photocopy coupon. Like this was when, this was when smartphones like first came out. Like, I guess the new iPhone or the new Android or the Galaxy or whatever the case may be. So somebody, here's a story. So apparently this coupon was a valid coupon on the West Coast where Spanish is a high, like, you know, you know, a highly spoken language in the, in the West, in the, yeah, in the far West and on the West Coast. That's, that's politically correct to say. So (laughs) this, so this coupon was being used in coal stores and in the Pacific West. And somebody thought, hey, why don't I take this original coupon, like scan it or photocopy it? And why don't I distribute this across the entire country? And so apparently this person, this is all speculation I because I assume somebody did this, but they made a business out of it. So they took that photocopy and they made a business where they would sell coupons. It's kind of like a retail me not like an underground retail me not. And so they will sell this coupon for X amount of dollars, right? Mind you, it's a $10 coupon. Yeah, what's the point? It's a $10 coupon. (laughs) It's a $10 coupon. So they used to, so this person used to sell them to any type of, you know, customer that wanted a $10 Kohl's coupon, a fake coupon at that, and then take it to our store and use it. So imagine this, if you see a non-Spanish speaking individual and they come to your line you're a cashier and the cost of their goods is probably like 10 or 12 like 11 or 12 dollars and they give you a coupon and you scan it and it works but you look at the back of it and it's all in spanish and the person in front of you doesn't look like they speak spanish at all so you're just wondering you're like is this like a real coupon? But you scan it and it actually goes through and you're like, holy shit, this is a valid coupon. So we had to take it. And, you know, one of my very good friends, he um, he got hip to this. And he started finding these coupons because, again, the, what the odd thing about this was that these people that used them did not speak Spanish at all. Like if you were from Puerto Rico, if you were, you know, if you were Ecuadorian or Guatemalan or Costa Rican and you're using this coupon, it's like, okay, there's a little more like validity as to how you got this coupon. Yeah. But when you're telling me that you don't speak any Spanish or you look like you don't speak Spanish and you're giving me a $10 coupon that's in Spanish, that just like, 
that it just it, it boggles my brain. So what my friend did, because he was the, the cashier supervisor, he told us offline that these coupons were coming in. So what he did was he told us to take the coupons. And eventually people would stop bringing them in. But I remember during his shift, like his eight hour shift, he had a stack of fucking coupons. And what he did was he calculated how many there were times 10. And he calculated how much revenue our store lost like that day. And that was just in a day. Like that was like either hundreds or like a couple thousand dollars. Like it was that much. That's crazy. We really had some characters for customers in our store. See, but because of that, though, I wouldn't have even questioned it. If I scanned something and it worked, I would have been like, all right, it works. It works. Right. It's great. I wouldn't even question it because so many of the things that happened in that store were just absolutely ridiculous that that would have been the least (laughs) of my concerns. I would have been like, you know what? Your coupon works. works, Whatever. Whatever. If it didn't scan, that's another story. But if it did, Boy. not my problem. They're making a movie about that right now. What yeah. the, the the counterfeit coupon ring? I'm not even. Kidding. Oh really? Yeah, with Kristen Bell from. Uh, that's wild. From Veronica Mars. That's I mean, like that's like a big deal. It was a huge thing. I mean, it's accurate. They got the FBI involved. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it, it's it's pretty bad. I can tell you. Like I remember when I used to live in uh when I used to live in Georgia. One of my friends, she would um. Her mom would come into. You can't get away with this shit in New Jersey because like it's all run by the mob and shit. So. <clears throat> I used to work at a Publix, like a grocery store in like Florida. And my friend's mom used to come to the grocery store once every two or three months, something like that. But she had all the stack of fucking coupons. And at the end of it, like I remember she used to buy like maybe $300, $400 worth of food. And even for that it would last like two months. And by the time that she was always done, Publix always owed her like 20 or $30. How? You can't get. A, I told you, you can't get away with it in New Jersey. Like it's run by the mob. You can't get away with it. And down in Publix, like because like she used to triple coupons and she used a manufacturer's coupon too. So like you could stack them, but like up here you can only do a double at max. And some grocery stores probably don't. Even I was gonna say yeah, up here you can't stack. I think you can still stack manufacturer's coupons, probably but you can't stack. Yeah, you can't else. triple. Yeah, you can't triple coupon. Yeah, that's so, wild. I what wish. was what was your like? What was your favorite part of working at Kohl's? My favorite in like a wow, this is wild way or yeah, my yeah. favorite in like, oh, I actually enjoy this. I mean, both. Because there was nothing I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So none of the work. It was just the probably the people the there. People. Right? The people were great. I mean, I'm going to be honest. When I first started there, it was a great group of people. The longer okay. I worked there, the worse the group got as people got started you. leaving and new people started yeah. coming in. And we didn't really have like a solid group anymore. And then it kind of got bad, but the people were definitely my favorite. The weird conversations we would have and like laughing <laughs> at stuff that happened in the store because some stuff yeah. happened in that store. No, how is so how was I as a coworker? Was I just <clears throat> you know I know what? I was annoying, but like was I like a good coworker? You were and you were annoying at times. But oh, I bet. overall, I think some of the highlights of my work day going there were like going back to customer service and like you joking around after I had had to deal with the dumbest people <laughs> and just like wanting to just quit right then and there yeah, or just yeah. like clock out and go home but going back there and then you cracking a joke about something that annoyed the crap out of me <laughs> and you found a way to make it funny I think that was probably uh, the best part because otherwise I don't know how long I would have lasted yeah yeah no nah, the best thing about like uh, work is never the physical work. It's always the people that make you want to come back. And I mean, yeah. I would, I always said that like great managers would make you stay at a job, but you know, having great coworkers and you know, having a great rapport with people would be the reason why you come back to work every day. Hundred percent. Hardly ever the work itself. 
Definitely not that. <laughs> uh, no, because the stuff that we had to deal with, I mean, customer service was rough and I got to do that after you left. Oh, but uh, before that, I was dealing with the dumb stuff that people did in the fitting rooms and on the <laughs> floor and the bathroom and just. Oh, people are ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Theft and, and, and taking shits in fitting rooms. You weren't there for that. But that actually. No, no, no. Oh, I was there for that. I was there when the guy actually left his soiled underwear <laughs> in the bathroom for someone else to clean up. And then did I just left it? Did with, it nut in it? Do you remember? No, he like, shit in it. Oh, okay. And then left it there. And that, yeah, it was gross. Oh, and then there was the guy that took a pile of clearance sweaters, put them in the corner of the fitting room, and then peed all over them. And I, <laughs> Yo, I was the one what? who actually had to clean that up. I had to get like a plastic bag from the registers and like use it as a glove to clean it up because I guess the custodian had left for the day. Like, <laughs> they were like, yeah, you gotta go work with that. Like, what? this is not what I signed up for. Is not oh, it was it was for. not what I signed up for. That was that was probably my worst day at work. <laughs> that that was it. Yeah. I would like I I, yo, I hope I hope they don't get me behind this. So I'm gonna <laughs> tell you we're gonna come back to the background, but I always gotta tell people this story. Uh no, no, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. Like I don't want them finding me. It's a mob story. Like oh, meeting mobsters, okay. but I don't want that shit like put out. So Anyway, did we uh did we ever like did we overlap in terms of education? Like, did I gra- I graduated? You in graduated right before I started. Oh, so you started like fall twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh okay. So we never went to okay. All right, gotcha. Yeah. And so, would you would you major in supply chain management? Holy shit! Did you finish in four or five years? Four. Wow. Oh my god. How like how was the how were the classes? Were they really hard? You know, I think it depends on who you had as a professor, That's fair. but I had one or two professors that I took for multiple classes because they were so good and because uh-huh. their style of teaching is one that really got through to me. Um, okay. I couldn't learn the way that a lot of the professors were teaching, especially for like your basic like finance and econ classes. Okay. Not good at that stuff. <clears throat> I got you. Um, but no, I had some really, really great supply chain professors and no, it ended up being it ended up going well for me. That's good. So what? So you don't have to. You don't have to give like the the the, uh, the name of the company. So like, what do you do now? I'm an inventory analyst. So I'm actually uh, working for a food company right now. Okay. Um. Basically, what I do is I'm in control of the inventory for one of their warehouses. They have multiple. Mm. Um. And just making sure things are in stock. Um. Sometimes we do like the transfers between our internal warehouses i'm mm-hmm. in charge of that and then letting the supply planners know when we're running low on something and making sure that everything's being analyzed right now i'm actually in charge of my warehouse switching states we bought a new warehouse and so all of our stuff has to move to the new one and we're doing a bunch of crossover stuff for that that's a fun time oh shit oh wow did the like the, did the pandemic really uh really just like stress you the fuck out yeah um <laughs> Not really that I was stressed for like my job security per se, okay. but obviously people were grocery shopping a lot more. Yeah, and yeah, what yeah, we yeah, handle yeah, is yeah. a lot of grocery stores. Exactly. So we were shorting so many products, products that we oh, couldn't wow. get back, especially for like the vegetable business. When you can a vegetable, that's it. Like you can one certain crop at one point of the year. And if you run out, you can't get it until the next crop season. Hot damn. So <clears throat> that was a huge thing for us. Awesome. Um not that I was concerned. I was like, you know what? If the customer doesn't get it, yeah. um, it's unfortunate, but there's nothing I can do. Like, I'm not going to go out there and pick the vegetable myself and can it. 
You so too to, you too good to pick vegetables? Is that what you're saying? Michelle? No, not even. But I'm not about to go to California <laughs> or Mexico to pick these vegetables. That was not what was going to happen. But no, that was stressful. And like we had a lot of overtime, especially because I actually switched from working in the customer service department okay. in kind of a liaison role where I was doing some inventory things more so than a regular customer service person would. Okay. And that's why they chose me for my supply chain background. And then I switched over to the inventory analyst position during the pandemic. Got it. So, so would you would you say that your degree, you're able to apply it now? Or do you think anyone could do your job? Um, I think anyone could have done my customer service job. Okay. Now there are aspects of my job that I probably don't need my degree to do. Interesting. But there are other aspects that I definitely think it makes more sense that I have my okay. degree for. I don't think I'd be able to really analyze inventory and make sense of all of it Got if it. I didn't have my degree, especially for like, no. oh, how much do I need on hand? Um, like, how much do I need to bring in safety stock levels and things like that? I probably mm. would not be able to do without my degree. No, no, I get it. That's actually a good answer. You know, I, I compared to uh, majoring in economics, uh, graduate. Well, yeah, get my bachelor's in economics and like finding out about different financial cycles um stocks bonds interest rates real estate markets all that shit everything that's like really happened unemployment rate all that shit it's like what i went to school for so i should have a you know a comprehensive understanding of this now in terms of my job my degree is not really relevant to the job but in terms of you know either personal investments or you know personal decisions that i make that have to do with finances and all that shit that uh it always comes in handy it's just you know the reason why i'm asking is because you know sometimes you can find a direct relevance with what you're doing like if you man yeah. if you if you majored in mechanical engineering and you end up becoming you know a mechanical engineer or you major in civil engineering you become like an engineer for for the state department or you know that's why i was just curious so during this time like I guess in the pandemic, that's when you elevated the crocheting from the hobby into oh, legitimate side business. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was it was really weird. Um, not that I had a lot of downtime. I was working a lot of overtime at work, but I was stuck at home. So it's okay. not like I had anywhere to go after my shift was over. Okay. Uh, I would stop and I got bored. You can only play video games and FaceTime people for so long. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? I just need something to do. I need to take control of something and feel like I'm in control of something. And that's kind of what made me take the next step. I wanted okay. to, I guess, be my own boss in a sense of I control what happens with this time in my life or this portion of my life. Um, got it. And especially during a pandemic when nothing is under your control, you kind of need one thing that you're like, you know what? I can't control anything else in my life right now. I can yeah. control this one thing. Um, wow. That's kind of what made me start an actual business versus just kind of having a nice side hobby. No, that's good. How do like how do you fit like how did you come to the determination that you're going to go through with it? Because, you know, a lot of people, they have ideas about shit that they want to do. Some people have million dollar ideas and they never, you know, yeah. they never go through with it. So, like, what, what what was it that said, holy shit, I'm going to establish an actual business and do this and then, you know, go through all the, the hoops and chains of, you know, making a legitimate business? Right. No, there were actually. So I went on Pinterest. Obviously, that's where all crafty people love to go is to the <laughs> Pinterest. Um, but I went there and there's actually this woman. She runs an account called Sorella. Um, and she had uh, what she calls the Sorella method. And it was a way for you to take your knit crochet or yarn dyeing business and make it legit. Um, and she goes through all the steps you need to start a blog, uh, the best web hosting company for you, how to do affiliate marketing and things like that. And after I read some of the free versions that she had on her website, I was like, you know what? 
I can definitely do that. It's an initial investment, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can totally do that. The hardest part of it was the New Jersey state laws and figuring out how to get an LLC and oh, all, really? like the sales tax stuff of it. Yeah. And oh, oh. no, that's true. Okay. Mess. That makes sense because you're actually selling goods. So you have to worry about a sales tax. You you know, when right. it comes to income tax season, it the business income tax, whether you sell it up as a corporation, incorporated, an LLC, sole proprietorship, all this shit, every, everything has different tax implications. Right. And I didn't know anything. I'm yeah. not a finance person. I learn things when I need to use them. Um, and not all of that knowledge always sticks around in my head. Yeah. So the tax part was definitely difficult, especially because I have uh, an Etsy shop in addition to the blog that I run. Just as like some people want a copy of something, they don't want the free version with ads on your blog. They just want a paid mm -hmm. version, just the information that you have. Okay. And also my physical products are in my Etsy shop. Um, Etsy is supposed to do your taxes for you. They Wait, for real? They're, so they're sales tax. Like they will collect sales tax for you, but there's a bunch of caveats to it. It's It was difficult for me to understand. So I was okay. like, I don't know if I should still be paying my sales tax or if Etsy is doing it for me. Also because some of my goods are digital. So there's no physical product that I'm shipping to someone. So I was like, do I need to pay sales tax on that? Oh, and my shit. accountant was kind of wishy-washy on it. So I never got a real answer, but I did do my taxes last year and I'm cool now. So <laughs> I was about to say, before you say you're cool, I'm like, damn, an accountant is wishy-washy on it? I'm like, oh, that's not good. No. <laughs> no, it's not good. No. <laughs> when you can't see, I did most of the work myself. Like I was answering my own questions when it came to how do I set up an LLC? How do I do this? Like I didn't have a lawyer. I did all of it myself. Yeah. Um, and I read up on it and I got it all done. When it came to the accounting part, everything went right out the window because yeah. it was so much more complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more complicated. I mean, you know, there's, but, you know, it's more complicated, but a lot of shit that you do now, it's, you could yeah. say it's in the name of the business, right? So you can write those uh, business deductions. Yeah. Rather no, it's, than, it's been nice. All the yarn that I buy, because I buy way too much. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, <clears throat> okay, so my next question would be, do you, do you feel as though that it's taken up a lot of your time like it's taken up like would you say like it's taken a good amount of time like a lot of time or a hell of a lot of them of my time uh it's taken up my time increasingly as i've been doing it when i first started out it wasn't a whole lot um my second or third month of doing it is when i really started to try and get more serious and in order to start anything is that up, your second year you, second you? or third month. Oh, second or third month. Okay. Okay. I okay. started to get more serious about it and then it started taking up more of my time because then I was like, all right, I need all of this stuff put together. I need to plan out content for a certain amount of time. That took up a lot of time. So okay. for maybe six months afterwards, I was kind of just building up content ideas and trying to crochet as fast as I possibly could wow. and write up patterns as fast as I possibly could to get them out there. Now... I won't say that it takes up a huge chunk of my time. Um, my weekends, like I'm still working on the weekends because obviously I work full time during the week. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, um, week nights when I don't have plans, I'm usually working on it. I try to set a cutoff time for myself because okay. I don't want to stress myself out completely. Um, but it, it does take up a good chunk of my time. Nah, um, I got a you. lot. Wow. Yeah, it's that's, a lot. But would you say that's been the biggest sacrifice so far? Like the time commitment? During the pandemic, it wasn't. Because during the pandemic, I wasn't really going anywhere. Um, oh, now it's starting to... That's a dynamic right there. Lighten up a little bit. I'm starting to have more plans now that I'm vaccinated. I'm going places. So now it's getting weird. This week, especially, I had 
like three different nights where I was supposed to do something on nights when I'm normally at home. So normally I just kind of sit on the couch like a potato. I watch some things and I crochet while I'm doing it. And it's easy to do when I have plans. I'm like, okay, now I have to plan out which days I'm going to be at home so that I know when I can start writing patterns, when I can draft my blog posts. And I have to make sure that at least once a month I set up like a two or three hour block of time to plan out the next three months of content. You do it all yourself. Yeah. You have, you don't like, um, I'm not gonna say offshore is a bad word, but like you don't, you don't pass the buck on to like, um, like a company that manages like social media, like social media management. No. Cause I'm sure that, th- I mean, that shit is money. Like I have a Oh, friend it is. That, and that's completely why I don't do it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, one of my friends, she, uh, she's like a social media like manager for a company or like a consultant or something like that. I think she said it was like maybe 400 a month or something like that. But they, I mean, they have smaller ones too. Like I've used a virtual assistant for setting up my mail newsletter because I have an email newsletter oh, that wow. goes out once a month. Okay. Basically, all she did was come up with the welcome version of it. So when somebody signs up for the newsletter on my website, they get a welcome email and okay. it tells them about me, how uh, often I'll be sending them an email, what kinds of stuff they can look forward to on my website, etc. I had no idea how to set that up. So she did that for mm, me. I okay. can hire her for certain things that I need on like a one-off basis. Okay. Um, she also offers like a certain number of hours per month of VA, which is virtual assistant stuff. Okay. But right now, I'm not big enough that I really want to start paying money for certain things no, no, like that. No, of course, that. of course, of course. I, I do eventually want to because to be honest with you, it is a lot. Like you're the person in charge of your social media and you're the writer and you're like advertising everything. You're actually crocheting the product. It's really, really time consuming. And like Pinterest strategy and search engine optimization. It's wild. And it's crazy because I mean, I didn't know how to actually use any like blogging software or websites mm-hmm. at all. Um and then I had to learn, not only was I writing it, but you have to put all these plugins in. So if I want to have a Pinterest pin on the website, I need a plugin for that. Holy shit. Uh, if I want my sign up for my email newsletter to be on the website, you need a plugin for that. And I was like, you know what? I took coding when I was in high school and college, but none of it really applies to this. It's so different. Wow. So, so there's a lot, there's a lot of things that like, not just a time commitment, but there's a lot of things that overwhelmed you or surprised you about the whole process. It's oh, yeah. not just... Okay, I started a business and then, you know, this is what I do. But like there's a lot of it's growing a constant pain. learning process. And as I get bigger, like now I'm seeing more traffic to my website than I used to. And as that keeps happening, I keep having to think of new ways that I can expand or how to offer, I guess, value to my customers. Yeah. And it's a business where you're not really making a physical product most of the time. So you have to be kind of creative. Like most of the value that I'm going to offer is going to be in terms of social media or a freebie that I can send out okay. in my email, uh, a okay. video tutorial to help someone or maybe make it available to only people who are subscribed to the newsletter and things like that. What would you say, would you say most of your revenue comes from like affiliated marketing or do you think it's like sales of your products or like sales of your templates? I think in the future, it's probably going to be marketing. Wow. Right now, um, it's probably product sales. Only because I do get money through my Etsy shop, obviously. Yeah. yeah okay. um, and then especially in the fall and like the holiday season. That's right. You see a lot of uptick in the traffic that I get to my Etsy shop. Um, so that brings in a good amount of money. I do see affiliate marketing revenue. Um, oh, wow. It's okay. not as big of a chunk as I'd like it to be. But as your traffic increases, you get more, especially with things like Google ads. Okay, that um, makes sense. But with Google Ads also, you can only take out money in increments of 100. Oh. So if you don't, if you're in the middle 
Um, you gotta wait. You have to wait. You have to wait it out. Okay. Yeah, because they want. I guess they want to see how proven you are and or how long you're you're continuing to do your your side hustle or your hobby. Right. And Amazon is the same <clears throat> way. Also, I think you have to have a certain amount, maybe fifty dollars. I don't remember. You um, sell off Amazon. I do. It's okay. not a big commission. Like Amazon isn't a big affiliate marketer. It's okay. the easiest program to get into, really? but it probably pays you the least percentage. Probably for the accessibility. Because I yes. mean, if it's the most, if it's the easiest, then it would make sense as to, you know, they're going to pay out. I mean, pennies on the dollar, but you know, the, the low pennies on the dollar in terms of affiliate marketing. Right. And like some of the other ones that I do. So I have uh, Lion Brand and We Crochet uh, and Furls Crochet. So some of the actual like yarn and crochet hook companies, okay. uh, they'll pay out more. Uh, and basically there's one website called Share Sale. Okay. Uh, it's an affiliate marketing network and they have a host of companies that they work with. So you can oh, sign up okay. with them and you apply to individual companies through them. But at least that way, any company okay. that wants to look at you through share sale, they can see your portfolio and see like who you're already working with Oh, and shit. things like that. So you don't have to prove any information to them. They already have it because it's part of a bigger network. How the hell, like, how did you start? like the affiliated marketing like did you just reach out to people or like you like the virtual assistant helped you like how like i'm just wondering for like you know people that may or p companies that make products affiliate marketing is pretty big but you know the the hard thing is i'm not gonna say developing or generating that book of business but like creating like the first number of like contacts that actually work for you yeah so like how did you do that it was again so it was part of that whole sorella startup and she said, you know, if you just Google affiliate marketing for a company that you think pertains to your product, okay, do that. So I started looking up, like, I like Michael's Craft Stores. So I was like, you know oh. what? I shop there all the time. I'll look up that. That one I actually didn't get until recently because when I first started up my blog, I didn't have enough traffic or posts up. Okay. Um, that's like Google also. Uh, same thing. You actually have to have a blog up for at least six months before Google will even look at your blog. Okay. You can't even okay. really apply. Um, the others I Googled, I was like, you know what? I shop off Amazon all the time, especially if I need something quickly, even if it's craft related. Yeah. So that was the first one that I ever got accepted to. And that was the easiest. And then I started looking up um, specific yarn brands. So I work with Lion Brand Yarn a lot. That was the next one I looked up. And then they went, okay, if you want to be an affiliate marketer for Lion Brand, you have to go through ShareASale. You have to make an account. You have to apply. But wow. if you sign up for ShareASale, you can start applying to these other companies. So now I think I have uh, one or two other companies all through ShareASale. But it was all my own research and kind of looking up uh, what the pay was going to be okay. and how to draw traffic in. Because even if you're an affiliate marketer, just because you have a link up doesn't mean people are going to buy it. And it took me a long time just to get my first affiliate sale. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So what you're saying is for in terms of affiliate marketing, so they put your website on their website? Like they put your... No. So it's basically you're in charge of all of the traffic that comes to your website. Yes. So if nobody comes to your website, you don't make a sale. Um, the people that you're marketing for... Most of the time, unless you're like a really, really big influencer type person, you don't get posted on their website. There's nowhere on their website that says, oh, this craft person uh, is like my okay. affiliate marketer. So you're so, advertising on, you're there, you're advertising their services on your website. On my website. Ah, so you get a cut of if they make a sale, like let's say Walker is going to Yarn Thrift and I see, um, uh, Lion? Lion it? Brand Yarn? Yeah, if I see Lion Brand Yarn 
I click on the click on the hyperlink from your website mm-hmm. and I decide to buy one of their products and you get a cut of it. Yes. And they so they have like cookies basically that track you. Uh-oh. I know everyone talks about internet cookies as like a bad thing, but for small businesses and also even for huge corporations, it's for them to know how you got to their website, like who referred you. Of course. So within every link that I have on my website, uh, there's a little code and it's my affiliate marketer code. And that tells them, oh, they came from yarnthrift.com. So now I know who to give that money to. Um, And it's not just hyperlinks either. Like they have banners so I can have a photo and it's actually a linked photo. It kind of looks like a Google Google ad would look. You click it and they know that it was me who referred you. And I get a cut of that commission only if you buy something. Okay. No, no, no. Of course. Yeah. They're not going to pay you for just general traffic. Like you have to actually buy something. That is interesting. So like you said, so how... How long has a company been been open? Maybe like a year so far? Um, yeah, maybe like a year, year and a half. And how long would you say that you started to see like I'm not gonna say rapid increase, but you really started to see it just like tick up in terms of like affiliate marketing revenue? Affiliate marketing, it probably took a year. Okay. So it's um, been like a half a year that you've seen it like increasing increase because of traffic to your website and yep. they actually and they follow through and buy something. Yes. Um okay. it's been really cool to see. Like I'm still going through a period where every month I'm seeing an increase in traffic and every month my Google ad revenue is going up. Um for the first year that I was doing it, I was getting relatively consistent Etsy sales. Okay. Um it wasn't a lot, but it was consistent. And with the uptick in revenue and traffic I'm seeing on my website, my Etsy revenue has increased as well. So really? it's all about exposure and like the longer your website has been online okay. and the more posts that you have, the more uh, likely you are to show up in a Google search, obviously. Okay. Um, and then I also learned about like SEO, like search engine optimization. That was a huge thing because I wasn't really focusing on that when I was first writing my pieces. Okay. Now... Um, I have another plugin because plugins are the big thing when you're blogging. Uh, It's called Yoast SEO. And basically what they do, it's not the best one out there, but it it helps um, you hone in on your keywords. So if I create a crochet pattern and say I want crochet cardigan to be my keyword, they'll make sure that I have enough uh, headings and subtitles and stuff with that word. They'll make sure the word is mentioned enough time throughout the post. Uh, When you upload an image to your blog, your image should have a description or a title that includes your keyword Stuff like that. Uh, And that's big. And I actually have one specific blog post that I really nailed the optimization on. And I released, it was a pattern I released in the summer. And to this day, I'm still getting hits to that. And it says it's from Google itself. It's from people who searched like crochet bra cup. And yours was one of the first things that came up. So people are now clicking it more. Holy shit. Yeah. And now like that's your goal with everything you post. Not everything you post is obviously going to make it up there, but your goal should always be if somebody Googles crochet cardigan, I want to be on the first or second page. Like that's your goal. And how you get there is those keywords and your search engine optimization. And you feel like you're at that point now, huh? I'm getting there. I have at least that one post up, but now every post that I do, that is my goal. And I'm making sure that I'm editing it and rewriting certain parts of it to make sure that I'm not going to be on like the 20th page because that's not what you want. No, no, of course not. No, you want to be on what? Page one or page two, right? That's your goal. No, no, that's that's badass. Like, seriously. I mean, you could definitely pat yourself on the back and say, like, hey, I've been doing well so far. Because, I mean, you know, stat, like, odds are stacked against people that start side, like, like oh, yeah. companies. I want to say within five years, I think it's 80% most businesses fail. But, again, most businesses that are created, I would say, are rather 
goods rather than the yep. services portion of it. So I mean, like you know, some people that eighty percent could definitely be comprised of a lot of restaurants and shit where you have to you have to buy product, you have to sell yeah. the product, you have to pay rent and all the shit. You don't pay any rent, you know. No, and the thing about me is that although I'm not seeing like some huge amount of revenue, mm-hmm. I'm also not putting out a lot of money. Um, and that's the nice part of it is that I'm not concerned with okay. growing super quickly. Okay. Because what I'm selling, it a it doesn't cost a lot of money. It also doesn't cost me too much money to make. Um, and I don't want to become some huge company. I just want to have a semi-successful side business. It okay. brings in a good amount of income for me. Like I said, it's a side hustle. If I could do it full time, that'd be great. I would love to work for myself. Yeah. And there are crochet companies out there that do that. It's all they do. And they get to work with all yarn companies designed specifically for them. It goes on the yarn company's website. Lion yeah. Brand does a whole bunch of that. Um, it, it definitely is a goal of mine. It's not where I'm at right now, but it's definitely something I'd like to work towards. So, I mean, you know, would you say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't want to put words in your mind. Would you say the ultimate goal is to be like a, a crochet guru? Like, I don't, <clears throat> or I do don't you, know like, do if you I'd wanna, call it a guru. I, yeah, not a guru, but like, you know, like top of the chain in terms of like, crochet you get what i mean because like you yeah, were like yeah, yeah. yeah i would like it you know a, a comfortable side business where it makes a you know stable amount of money i can still keep my full-time job but i have a consistent amount of money right like everyone i think everyone's goal if they start a business is to eventually match their you know their their w-2 salary yes you know that that's everyone's goal but you know would you say you like to be at the top of the chain and i don't know that i would want to be at the very top yeah, yeah i okay. would definitely want to be up there okay and the thing with me is also I'm still young, so I'm still figuring out kind of where I want to go in terms of this whole side hustle thing. Yeah. I do want to be up there at the top with some of the best crocheters up there. That's definitely where I would like to go. I would like the blog to be able to run successfully without me having to push it as aggressively as I do when I want it to get to a certain point, which is where I'm at now. Like if I have a post out and I know I want it to get big, I have to focus on advertising it and really putting it out there for months. If I want to, and especially like with Pinterest and like repinning it and making sure I have like a Pinterest strategy, which is big now. And another thing I'm still learning about. Um, yeah. I have to do that for a very long time. I do think that blogging is something I want to do forever. I definitely would love to blog and match my actual full-time job salary with it. Okay. Um, if I was to go full-time with blogging though, I think I would like to split my time between crochet and something else. So, okay. So you're blogging. Are you saying that this is just general blogging or are you a blog for specifically like yarn thrift? Is- I mean, right now I'm a blog for yarn thrift, but yeah. I would love to have a separate blog. Okay. I'm, this is my goal for like, if I ever have kids and okay. I decide I don't want to work full time anymore, yeah. but I still want to do yarn thrift, oh. I would probably start like a lifestyle blog. And I know so many people do that. Like mompreneurs is like a big thing where like moms want to stay at home. So they'll give like all kinds of advice. Mine though, I think would be more of a niche towards people like me. Like okay. I bought a house when I was pretty young and okay. a lot of people don't really do that or know how. And it was definitely difficult for me. And I would love yeah. to have a blog about uh, how you can get a grant for a house. And oh, we're like gonna get the into steps that. that you have to go through for that. Like that's okay. a blog that I would have, and then other just basic lifestyle stuff. Yeah, no, I mean it. It's honestly a good idea. I'm not taking anything away from. It, I promise. I think it's. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a very good. I, I think it's a very great idea, and I think a lot of people. You know, you're a couple years younger than me, but a lot of people are lost. And I and I was definitely in that same position too. Yeah. I just when I got out of college, I was like, you know, I just want to save because I. 
I kind of wanted to live in an apartment, but my big dream was I just wanted to have my own house. I didn't want to have to deal with a landlord or <laughs> people below me or above me or next to me. Oh, like yeah, I'm yeah, one of those walking people. Walking around and moving shit and yeah, yeah no. bad neighbors, noisy neighbors. Like yeah. Once I was out of college, I was like, I really just want a house. Um, and I just started saving immediately, but then I had money and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to do mm. with it. So it was just a lot of me learning and figuring out and going to different banks and kind of just seeing what kind of programs they offered until yeah. I really found what worked for me. And it's out there. Well, like I said, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. I'm, you know, I'm curious to know when you, when you started your company, mm-hmm. did you put a significant amount of capital or do you think it was a moderate amount or which is a small amount? Cause I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 yarn, it's crocheting, right? So right. I mean, you buy yarn in bulk, but I mean, there's, there's more than just the material cost that you're paying for. I mean, right? yeah. I mean, so my blog, um, I do have to pay for my web hosting service. You don't have to give any, you know, numbers or anything yeah. like that, but uh, generally speaking, I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're any type of company, my investment was probably on the smaller side. Okay. It was enough that I needed to get my web hosting service up and it was enough to get me through like a year and a half Okay, is what I put in. And that's okay. worst case because most companies don't have like an actual profit after their first year. And I didn't Correct. anticipate it because obviously if I'm paying 30 to $40 for the yarn for a sweater and I only have one person who buys it and the pattern is only like $5, I'm only making $5 off something I paid $40 to make. Got it. So I, I basically put enough in there. margin right there. Okay. Yeah. Five and, to 10%. Yeah. And for the first few months, that's what it was up until it started getting bigger. Margins so, that thin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, because I mean, okay. So give me, okay. Give me that example again. Cause I'm curious for like the listeners and shit listening to this. So you're telling me that you want to make like a, a, a cro- like you want to crochet a sweater. That's yeah. what you're saying. Right. Okay. So give me those numbers again. So you'd probably pay 30 to 40 bucks. And this is all depending on yarn. Yeah. Um, you're the business sizing. owner. When you say you pay, like you're the business owner, like you're going to you're going to make or knit or you're going to crochet this sweater. So it's going to cost you 30 to $40 just to get the yarn, just to get the yarn. Okay. Uh, obviously you need a crochet hook. I already had crochet hooks, so I didn't have to go okay. buy one, but okay. that's another five to $15, depending what okay. brand you're picking out. Okay. Um, and then you make it. And so maybe it costs you 50 bucks total to make this, Okay. but you're only charging $5 for the pattern because you're not making the physical item. Oh. And only one person buys your pattern. Guess what? You made $5, but you spent 50. <laughs> okay. So let's, okay. So let me get this straight. So every, like people listening, like this is a very interesting concept because, you know, most businesses, I would say they make a product and they sell the product. Textiles, clothes, you know, right. the, the the arts and crafts and shit that you go to Michael's for. That most of the stuff that you buy, somebody actually produced and that company makes a revenue from selling a physical item. What Michelle is saying is that she will make a she will crochet a sweater, but she sells the pattern. For she it. sells the pattern. So if you if your cost of revenue, I I've done auditing for a very long time, so I apologize for these business terms. So your re- like your cost, your cost of goods sold is comprised of everything that it takes to make this product. And you're saying that it costs fifty dollars, mm-hmm. correct, for this sweater. And so you would sell that pattern, that pattern, correct. That my mind is just instructions. Going. Yeah. So okay, so you would sell that pattern for five dollars. Okay. And so you so you would need 10 people to buy that pattern in order for you to break even. Yes. And that's okay. that's if they bought it through the Etsy shop. Now, the reason that I got into the blogging 
is because not only is that pattern being sold in my Etsy shop, it's also out there on my blog for people to look at so that I could potentially get ad revenue from that. That's where it starts matching up. So then I have one thing that I made, but two streams of income for it. So you got the, so you got the ad revenue from people going on the website and looking at your shit. And you also have the people that buy the pattern itself. Okay. Now that's interesting. And so how long would you say that like it took for that to, I'm not gonna say break even, but for you to be like, holy shit. Okay. Now I'm getting somewhere. Um, so the first pattern that I had break even was probably six to eight months after I started the business. So not a super long time ago. Um, and right now I have four, I think that have either broken even or exceeded what I paid to make. Beautiful. Which is great. So you take a profit. Yes. Okay. Um, obviously, I've designed a whole bunch of patterns since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are still working their way up. Okay. But I can at least say I have that. And also then I have some physical products up there, okay. which help to buffer any losses that I might take from the patterns that aren't selling as well okay. or the patterns that are newer and just don't have as much traffic yet. Wow. Because physical items obviously sell for more. So what would you like? Uh, I guess when, when, I, when I post this, um, I'll include the the picture of it but what would you say is like your most popular pattern is it like a holiday pattern or like like what would you like a gen like is it generic is it a holiday base like what would you say uh it's actually a summer pattern it's actually the one i was talking about earlier that the seo on it got ridiculous and i'm still seeing hits but it's a bralette okay so wait wait bralette I, i'm a guy stupid guy they don't yep. they don't teach that shit in school like so you uh, know what a bra looks like it's like no 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 most most girls i i, I go out with a braless so i don't know what bras look like <laughs> sorry but, i mean this works out better for you oh no it does i mean <laughs> and also for them you know it's not pushing up and blah they don't have to spend 40 50 for a bra but no, anyway, it's like a right. fancy tank top basically but it's okay. shorter it's like a cropped version of a tank top okay. but it has actual like bra cups on it which is another thing is that i actually got to do a tutorial on how to crochet a bra cup for any bra cup size, um, which also gets a lot of hits. Did you? Because I'm going to market the shit out of this. This is a, <laughs> it's a really it's a really cool concept. The the you know the, my podcast sponsor he makes sex socks, and I think that they're honestly a really great idea. Um, in terms of tank tops, and if you said that this is your most popular um, uh, pattern, mm-hmm. yes, most popular. Because <laughs> I keep forgetting <laughs> it's your most popular pattern, but it sounds like a really great idea. Where it's some like. If you and you're physically making this, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're physically making it and you sell the pattern, mm-hmm. but people can also buy this physical product, right? I do. So I do take commissions through my Etsy shop if there's someone who sees a pattern and they just want that made. I actually have only gotten maybe one or two special orders for stuff like that. It's okay. not what I focus on because okay. again, making those things takes so much time. Okay, I believe it. Um, but yeah. It is something that I could physically make. And again, I put out a tutorial for anyone who maybe doesn't crochet or isn't yeah, as yeah. familiar with it or just wants to know, like, how can I make an actual crochet bra cup for my size? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is a tutorial for that. And also, once you crochet a bra cup, there's a million different bralette patterns that you could either follow along with or wow. just design yourself. So not all, so basically, from what I'm conceptually understanding, this is a pretty cool looking thing, right? The bralette yeah. itself. Um, I, I like to think so. Uh, you make it, yeah, yeah, you make it. You don't, you don't. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But it sounds like you know, it's it sounds very interesting where you can go out in summer and wear something that seems very like loose fitting. I assume. Oh wow, no, it's 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 <laughs> not you, but I mean like the actual like bralette yeah. itself. That's that's something very 
I'm not gonna say tr- I'm not. I don't want to say trendy. Like it looks really cool. It looks like somebody should go out of their way to buy that. Not right. saying that as like the the podcast host and like marketing your shit, but it it's actually pretty fucking cool. It's something like, no joke. Like like I was saying earlier, I love being able to make stuff that I take inspiration from at a store. Yeah. Or like Amazon. Oh, so you saw fashion. that somewhere? Um, not really this, but. Like the design elements. So okay. obviously y'all can't see what we're looking at right now. Um, <laughs> but, but you will. Yeah, you will. <laughs> um, but it has these like shell details on the bottom. And that was really popular over the summer. A lot of people really loved oh. the shell bottom lace detail. So I took okay. that and I, I wanted something summery. So you can wear this by itself or you can put uh, a really loose t-shirt over it or you could wear it to the beach. Okay. Um, and I took kind of outfits that I would want to see myself in during the summer. And I took inspiration from those types of things Okay. and kind of came up with this and I sketch out a lot of my stuff first wow. um, before I do it just to kind of make sure that I'm making something I actually want but yeah that is really fucking dope like, like everything I make is pretty much something that I've come up with myself I've seen and I want something similar or so you I s- wear your own designs basically That's basically what yep that I mean really obviously cool. you don't want to crochet something and then throw it away or have it sit there oh true 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 um, you don't want the waste of time you don't want the waste of money blah 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 no you want something that's in fashion something you can keep wearing stuff like that i mean i guess you could call it sustainable because technically it is uh it's definitely more expensive to make your own clothing but it's it's something that i think is really worthwhile we say sustainable do you mean because like you like your 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 feeling of you making your own clothing or because like the like the materials both. I mean, think about it. If you're shopping fast fashion, if you're going to the mall, the quality of clothes that you're going to get probably aren't that great. It's going to last you one to two years. Maybe it doesn't wash very well. Yeah. Um, if you make something, you control the quality of it. And that's kind of what I've been doing. And, and it might last me longer because I know that it's handmade. And because the yarn that I buy, I try to buy like Lion Brand yarn or some higher quality yarns. Uh, make sure you weave in your ends really well, which is important when you're crocheting and knitting. And who knows how long it's going to last. I mean, some people have blankets their great grandparents made. They're still around. My aunt made me one. I don't give a fuck if I'm a 30 year old dude. My aunt made me one when I was born and I fucking fight my mom over because like she had like she stolen both of them. Like my, yeah. my aunt made one for me when I was a newborn and my older sister when she was a newborn. And my mom is just fucking kept them as blankets for like all my life like like <laughs> it, they're very but they're very one like she yeah. literally like knit it and it, you know it's 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 a highly respectable thing that people do but this shit's lasted 35 years like i would probably if i have if i choose to have kids like later in life i would give them that because it's it's warm it's like it's yeah. it's fuzzy and warm it lasts like you know it's not you know it's it's not some shit that they made in like a warehouse in like taiwan or right China that you know breaks out after no it's definitely long lasting and clothing i don't think is going to last as long as a blanket will so i i'm yeah. fully aware that a lot of my sweaters and cardigans and stuff won't have as long of a lifetime as like the blankets i'm making yeah but they're I still going to last pretty long so it's so now, it's worth wow. it to me who would you say, like, besides yourself, was your your biggest supporter or the person telling you to, like, pull the trigger when you were coming out with this idea? Um, My mom was pretty supportive of it. I don't know if I expected her I'll to be. I'll tell your mom I said hi. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> My mom questions Javon. Yeah. Well, I, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a story for the, like, when we're, when we're going into, like, the personal finance. I just wanted to, like. Tell the tell the story um, when we're done with, you know, yeah. speaking about the business. No, we will. Uh, my mom, because she knew like she had seen stuff that I'd crocheted before and she was just supportive of me going out and doing it. And then probably mostly 
my boyfriend, who oh, I was shocked awesome. because, well, obviously he doesn't crochet. He's yeah. a contractor, so he works with nothing like that. But he was like, you know what? If you're really passionate about it, I think you should go for it. And even to this day still, like there are nights when I don't do the dishes or clean the house. Like there are things that go undone because yeah, yeah. I am working on yarn stuff. And as annoyed as he'll be with things like that, he's always the most supportive. He'll be like, you know what? I know that I'm annoyed about the dishes not being done, but I love that you're going after something that you want. That's badass. So that's that's been really great. I like how you two communicate about it, by the way. Like, <laughs> some, people, some people, that would be like a major thing. But like, oh, yeah. you've gotten yeah, yeah. to a place where it's <clears throat> part of your creative ecosystem of sorts. And that's really wonderful. Oh, oh so it definitely is. Uh, you, I you appreciate have it a lot. functioning relationship if, uh, if that didn't happen, if both people weren't accommodating of one another. A hundred percent. And there's definitely days where it's different, too, where I know that he's trying so hard not to tell me that he's annoyed that the dishes are in a pile in the sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. like, all right, I, I know that that's what you're mad about. And like, I promise you I'll get to it tomorrow. Or yeah. if he gets home early from work, he'll be like, you know what? I know that you're behind on certain things. I'm just going to do them. Accommodation. So, that's, yeah, that's that's all it is. I'm going to. I'm going to like I'm going to give a like a shout out to Michelle for this. Um it's not the end of the podcast cuz we have, you know, <laughs> a little bit more to talk about. But uh I got to give Michelle like a serious shout out for creating this company, creating Garn Thrift and doing all these patterns, selling patterns, blog revenue, ad revenue, marketing revenue, uh, you know, physical product revenue. Like this is it's pretty impressive. I I'm not going to say I did not think that Michelle would do this when I worked with her at goals, but I could tell like she was she was pretty fucking smart. I knew she would do something. So I appreciate do that something worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would definitely say that. Um, so I, before we go into the personal finance segment, the story about uh, how I know Michelle's mom and how Michelle's mom knows <laughs> me. So the story was that. I want to say maybe. So you were on Tinder. No, 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 no. So you the age. So that's usually how it This is this is all right. So so you you give me because like I definitely want to do like the fifteen minutes of the personal finance. But Christian, you tell me your opinion of this shit. So probably when I when I graduated from college, Michelle. I don't know, maybe this is like 2017, 2018, maybe. Anyway, so Michelle was probably like a year or two in school. She was 20. That's right. Okay, so she might have been like a was sophomore Was I 20? I thought I was still a teenager. So No, no, hell no. I wouldn't do this if you were a teenager. No, no, hell no. So she, Michelle might have been like 19 or 20, I want to say. I want to okay. say she was 20. So anyway, I asked Michelle if she wanted to hang out, like maybe on a Friday or Saturday night. I have anything to do. Michelle was really cool. And plus, like, there was there was there was never anything crazy between me and Michelle. Like, we were just friends and shit. So she was like, all right, cool. So I like to go up to like Edgewater, because Edgewater's right across from Manhattan. It's a very nice view and blah, blah, blah. So that's what I wanted to do. So I took the the local route and we got to Secaucus. And I said, Michelle, like, holy shit, there's there's a strip club here that I'm interested in going to. Like, would you want to go? And Michelle was like, no, nah, Javon, no. <laughs> and then like, for some reason, I'm like, all right, well, let me go like check in to see like if we're able to get in. So I stop at the place and I Michelle's still in a car like she doesn't want to go. I'm fighting it very hard. She's fighting it very hard. And my my, my stubborn yeah. ass is is out of the car. I go to the I go to the door. And so I'm like, yo, me and my friend just like we want to like chill here for like a couple minutes or whatever. Like, and Who says that? Anyway. Let's chill for a couple anyway, minutes in the strip club. <laughs> so he says, hey, can I see your ID? He sees I'm like, I don't know, maybe 25 at the time. And I, I, he says, all right, you're in. And 
I don't remember if you got out of the car. No, I didn't. Like, you you went and asked them if they would let me in. Oh, right, 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 right. So like, yeah. So I asked. I said, my friend's twenty, and I was like, yo, she's good to get in. He's like, no, she's like underage. And I say, well, that doesn't make any sense. She's twenty, but she can't get into a strip club. Like you know, most people go to strip club to go see titties in their face or something like that. I'm like, what the hell is the problem? He says she's underage. I say you're telling me because she's twenty, she's underage. Like because you're it, you're you you know it's possible that she could have alcohol. I said, well, why don't you just like mark her mark her to not have alcohol served? You can still get money from me and her from being at this strip club you're looking at me like you're so fucking ridiculous but like it honestly, <laughs> i was looking at you like you're so fucking it, ridiculous it honestly the bothered hell? me it, it fucking bothers like you're telling me that it you can, shouldn't it's basic no rules, it's bro. not basic rules because I uh, think christian christian for me you can have 18 year old strippers dancing on the pole and earning money from dancing on a pole and I fucking people for money you that there are not I can no, okay. We're, I'm just we're saying. Gonna, I don't I'm feel like saying. unpacking the layers of bullshit. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just. It's not. Right it's now. not bullshit. But like, if you <laughs> hire any, I'm not saying. Okay, maybe they're not 18, but I'm sure there's 19 or 20 year olds that are making I money. I believe you school. can be a stripper at 18, and that's thank you. Now, yes, thank now you. that I'm older, I will say that the only part of Javon's story that. I will even say, okay, I agree with, is the fact that I, I could have probably been a stripper at that strip club and gotten in. That's however, it. however, I had already said, no, I don't want to go. Right. I, I have never been more glad to have a bouncer say, no, she can't come in. Like he got back in that car. He was so disappointed. He was like going on a rant about it. And I was thrilled. Wait a minute. I have a question though. Try. What does this have to do with him meeting your mom? Oh, oh, oh no, yeah. no, no! You're right because that's a separate thing. So yeah. anyway, I. It's about like, it though. It's so. Oh, shit's about to go down. Nah, it's so. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I always go. So usually once a year, I go to the nude beach, and I always ask a bunch of people whether they want to go to the nude beach. I didn't think this is where this was going. So you know, I'm with you there. So it's so. Yeah, every year, like I had never gone before and I was trying to get like a batch of people. Now, the thing is that I'm a dude asking if anyone wants to go to Nude Beach. So it's not good for me to ask a bunch of women with no guys there. So I really just asked a, a good crop of people, a mixed gender crop of people, whether they want to go to Nude Beach or not. So, I mean, yo, you don't want to be you don't want to be one girl there and there's like 10 dudes, right? You don't like. no. You asked Michelle's mom, didn't you? No, 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 that's funny. No, 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 no. You were like, yo, Michelle said no, but like, you want to go with me? No, no, no. I asked people who I thought would at least entertain the idea, even if they gave me a flat no, like I felt like they wouldn't be repulsed by by them being asked that question. So I asked Michelle. Your assumption of that is hilarious. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, so I asked Michelle and then she said no. I don't remember whether she laughed it off and said no, whatever the case may be, but she said no. And then like, her mom i think she told me she told her mom about it and then like her mom came in and i saw her mom like shopping with her and like somehow like her mom was like so you're the one that asked my daughter to go to the nude beach i'm like yeah that was yeah weird. that's and, why and she had already known like about the strip club thing too <laughs> so my mom's thoughts of javon were really not great so, really not but wait how old were you Asking her because well, she was, was twenty, was maybe 24, 24, 25, something like that. Honestly, dude, I don't blame her. If, if, <laughs> if, if, if it was my kid, 
and someone I I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty is on the cusp of twenty one, right. but I can understand that anger. It was also no, no, I get it. Questionable because like I was still in college and I don't know if my mom knew what the age difference was exactly. Yeah, but. It was just like someone has asked your daughter to go to a strip club and a, and a nude beach. What what are they the trying fuck? to get at here? You know, the honestly, the 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 funny thing about it was I never had any ill intentions with both of those requests. And you I didn't, really didn't, but yeah. I feel like if if nobody the average person hearing that, you, yeah, the yeah. average person they're like, yo, this dude's like fucking weird. But honestly, I never had any ill intention about either of those requests. But I, but here's the thing though, yeah, yeah. as quote-unquote pure intention to your request was you were still asking a group of people to go to a fucking nude beach yeah. no, no i still as do. a I still, guy i still yeah. no, 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 i still go though. It, it de- honestly it depends on your audience you know you can find <laughs> I, I guarantee i'm just saying it depends on your audience i can ask 10 people right now they will oh, all give me a flat man. no if i ask another 10 people maybe i get five yeses i'm just saying it also depends on your audience i mean uh, yeah i guess and for some people, it's different. And in yeah. some states and stuff or areas where there's like more nude beach, I guess, area mm-hmm. location, it's not that weird. But I was like, you yeah, know, that's nah, I not you. comfy with that idea. Well, I, I don't blame you. you. Nah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I so now that you now that the audience has the background of the interaction between Michelle's mom and I, the cringiness, the cringiness. I think it's time to move to, you know, last 10, 15 minutes of the podcast for our, our personal finance segment. Great segue. So, Oh, it's great segue. I try. <laughs> so what we're going to discuss is within, you know, the remaining 10 minutes is whether it's better to rent or buy in terms of housing. So, All Michelle, right. what, what do you think? You think it's better to rent or better to buy? I'm definitely a traditionalist in this way. I think that it's better to buy. Um only because, and maybe not really now in today's real estate market, because it's kind of screwed up. But it's shit, right now. Yep. <laughs> um, but like, I would rather make mortgage payments to a bank in my equity than a landlord to make a landlord rich. Especially because whatever you're paying to your mortgage, once you sell that house, you get that money back. And if the house's value increases, yeah. you get more. You potentially make a profit. Um, that's why I appreciate it, especially as a younger person, knowing that like I'm probably not going to live in my current house forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way things are going, like we've renovated certain parts, we're working on things, so we're probably going to have a better chance at selling it for more than we bought it for. Okay, and kind of moving up the food chain, I guess that way. Renting, you're just paying a landlord, and he's just sitting there taking your money, and you're not really getting anything out of it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I I get it. I my own response is. It's subjective. Right. Right. And I hate I hate that cliche answer. But honestly, when it comes to whether it's better to rent or to buy, everyone has different finances. Everyone has different lives. Everyone has different desires in terms of what they plan to do within the next 10 years. You know, so if you plan on settling down and and having a raising a family and having kids and, you know, keeping a job for 30 years and all this shit, definitely buying is the case. Like definitely buying is the method to go through, you know. Right. Um. Some people, when they buy a house or they purchase a house, their goal is to die at that house. Like they're not leaving. Right. That's and so it's basically like they they've made a lifetime investment at that point, no matter what age that they purchase. Now, on the opposite, some people, they have no ties to the area. They have no ties to family, no ties to kids, not married, no kids, no nothing. They don't care much about their job or they don't have much job security. Renting is in their favor because they can pay a lease like they can pay for a year lease they pay a month they don't have to worry about i mean we'll get into that in a minute but 
you know, they pay a certain amount of money for the opportunity to live somewhere for a year. Yeah. If they choose that they want to go somewhere else, maybe move out of the state, maybe move somewhere in the state or across the street or whatever, they can find a place to live. But that's for people that don't have the that don't want to have the commitment of long term. Yeah. And I definitely living. agree with you there. I mean, if I was in a position where I couldn't afford a house or I couldn't afford the down payment, I couldn't make it work. Yeah. I would rent, but I would try and find something for like a lower rent. Yeah. A, because New Jersey is a ridiculously expensive place to live. Um, and B, because for me personally, I would want to live in a house. And I think in a situation like that, if you find a lower rent place, you can use your extra money to save up for a down payment. Correct. Because there's that's another thing is that I know a lot of people rent because that's their option. And I Only think, option. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's another thing. But also, yeah, like you said, if I went to another state right after college to find work there, but I knew it wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't find a permanent residence there either. Um, unless, I guess, the housing market was good enough that I knew my time frame. Yeah. And I could buy something and sell it for hire when I left. That makes that's sense. the only, I think, caveat to it. But no, I agree. There are certain situations where renting is probably better for someone's personal situation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very subjective to uh, like everyone's personal situation. I mean, you know, in terms of the the pandemic, I uh I purchased mine in twenty seventeen. Yeah, August 2017. And it was, you know, it was a fair price. But when did you like when did you buy yours? Uh, at a really crappy time in the pandemic. But I actually got my house right before the market skyrocketed. It was okay. during a weird time where like if you wanted a house, you had to put an offer on it the second you got done seeing it. Oh, yeah. Or, or no, you wouldn't get it. The Wild West of uh, of, the, of yes. the housing market. And like okay. right okay. right after that okay. stage came, not only did you have to offer that, you had to offer over asking yep. in cash or over you didn't bit. get it. Yep. yep. Uh, that's that when I bought my house. It was Impressive. not a great time. <laughs> Impressive that you made the cut. That's uh, very good. Props to you. I, um, I would say so. I'm not going to use my example. I'm going to use Michelle's example. And this is going to tie back into whether it makes sense to rent or buy. Because if you're listening, you better fucking listen up. Because if you plan on not renting and you want to own, you better listen to this shit. So Michelle bought, let's say she bought in, I don't know, when, when did you buy? Like, what? Jesus Christ. I think we actually ended up closing in 2021, but the process okay. was all throughout 2020. All right. So let's say, let's say it was 2021, right? So Michelle was able to purchase sometime last year. And for the whole year that she's been in that house, she's just gained equity and equity. She's sitting on her ass, paying her mortgage payments, but because of the housing market and because everyone's buying price, uh, buying houses at ridiculous price, she's just gaining equity every month. So when it comes to, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much she put down on the house, but I'm going to get back to this. Don't give the answer. But, you know, you put you put a percentage down as a down payment. Of course, you pay closing costs, but that percentage that you put in is your initial investment on a house. Let's say Michelle put down. 10%. Let's say she put down 5% down payment, okay? So when she purchases house, it's just gained significant equity. And so Michelle, if she wants to use some of the equity, she can get like a home equity line of credit, home equity loan, so forth with lower interest rates and like credit cards and shit. It's whatever she wanted to do. Now, here's a now here's an example for you. Let's say that Michelle, you want to buy Michelle's house in 2 years, okay? Michelle's gained equity over the three-year period that she's had this house. You want to buy an offer. So you decide 
to put down 5%. Michelle put down 5%, so you're going to put down 5% on her house. And let's say the housing market crashes by 10% or 20% within the, the first year of you buying a house and Michelle sold it to you. You've put down 5%, but you've already lost 10% because of the housing market. So now your mortgage is underwater. So if you have, let's say your mortgage mortgage payment is $1,000 and your house is worth, let's say, $200,000, you could have a mortgage that's a mortgage balance of $250,000 because you bought it at the height of a real estate market. So now your house is underwater. There's nothing you could do. If you try to sell your house, you're going to sell it for even less money because nobody wants to buy a house when it's underwater. So when you think about renting and buying, you have to think about the, the the real estate market and what it is for you. Now, it's not good for buyers right now because they're buying it. They're buying housing at a peak price. So yes, interest rates are low and they've never been lower. But if you're buying something that's tens of thousands of dollars over the asking price, are you really making your money? Like, are you making a sound investment on your long-term future? Like, yeah, that's, that's a question to ask. That is a huge thing. So this is, it's a, I, I, I'm not going to say I hate to be coy or curt when I say this. You need to, like, there, anyone listening to this could potentially be a victim in a couple years. I hate to say it, but if you don't watch the real estate market and you purchase some kind of property that you that you want to buy now because you want to be FOMO, the fear of missing out, or you want to buy a house right now, I'm going to see a couple of y'all in a couple years, and I'm curious to see where the housing values are going to be. Because if you buy something, if you're in that example of you know putting 5 to 10% down and the market crashes by a higher percentage than that, you're going to be underwater. And that was in 2008. When people bought houses in 2005, 2006, 2007 at peaks, and then the whole market tanked and they lost 20, 30, 40% of their, their value, you cannot get rid of the house. If you try to sell it, you're going to sell it for less than the mortgage balance and you're going to be on the hook for that remaining uh, mortgage balance. It's kind of like when you like buy a car or something like like I I just buy like you know piece of shit cars and shit <laughs> like that. But I've heard that a lot of people, there's a gap loaners. Like there's a gap between people that lease their cars or they get like an auto yeah. loan or shit like that. That's exactly what the case will be when when the, the housing market, when it tanks. So now if you want to play it safe, you could rent, but you're not going to be gaining any equity. You're not going to be gaining any, you know, housing appreciation values and shit like that. So these are, these are things to seriously think about. Um, and so I want to give the floor to Michelle for like a minute or two and let, cause she was, she was explaining about grant opportunities at banks or maybe the government yeah. and shit like that. Like I know a lot, but like, I'm curious to see what she has to say. And hopefully a lot of y'all are listening. So maybe you can uh, write some shit down and try to take advantage of the education she's about to give you. Yeah. So when I was first looking, I knew I wanted a house. I didn't know what bank I wanted to go with. I didn't know who my mortgage should be through. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I learned about grant programs. I know some of them are through the government. So that wasn't really an option. I wasn't like broke trying to buy a house. So that wasn't going to work out for me. Um, and I knew that certain banks, I know Wells Fargo is a big one. They offer certain grants. Uh, for first time home buyers, especially, you can get discounts on like your down payment. So I know 20% is a great down payment to have. Some banks let you do 10. If you're a home, first time home buyer, you can get, I think, as low as 2%, um, okay. depending on what your credit score is. But I think that was like as low as they said you could go. Yeah. 
Um, and then I learned about Bank of America had two different grant opportunities. One of them would give you a certain percentage up to $5,000, I think, on closing costs wow. and another certain percentage up to $5,000, I think, again, or maybe eight um, towards your down payment. And it was for first time home buyers only. So you could use it um, if I mean, like right now. So it's my house is me and my boyfriend. Yeah. So technically, I've used my first time home buyer stuff. He hasn't yet. So for our next house, if we wanted to move he could technically still use all of these same things that I used. And that's perfect. Which is great. But again, so that was kind of how I made it work for me is that I used two different grants. I barely had to put money out for my closing costs. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Or my down payment. I mean, I still put like a significant amount, but nothing in the realm of what I would have of paid yeah. had I not used those grants. And I was able to lessen my down payment percentage. They Now... For anyone like interested in purchasing a house, yeah, there is down payment, there's closing costs, and there's some other shit. And usually, like if you're purchasing a house, you're gonna be, you know, putting money into it to fix it up. But yep. you you have to remember, I don't have much time left on this podcast episode, but I just want to let you know for people that complain about rent prices, I, I completely understand. And you know, the the inaccessibility to obtain a mortgage, but the reason why it's so hard to obtain a mortgage and the the calculations that the mortgage underwriters do is because anything that happens in your household, you have to take care for. You cannot say that when you rent, you know, because a landlord is going to take care of everything. But if the furnace breaks, if, you know, if the roof is leaking or some shit like that, that's a rainy day fund. And I think 60 to 70 percent of Americans don't have a rainy day fund. So that's just going to come yeah. on you. You're going to go through credit card debt. You're going to go through a lot of shit. Yep. So. This has been a very good uh, educational experience for y'all. I learned a lot about uh, the banking industry and the grants that they offer. You've learned a lot from Michelle about crocheting. And I highly encourage all of you to go to her website, go to her Instagram, go to her social media in general, buy something because a lot of her designs are very worthwhile to look at. And I hope that you can buy stuff. Uh, Michelle, can you give us, you know, like your website or social media uh, tags or yeah, Instagram? Of course. Yep. You Where's can find us at yarnthrift.com and then you can find us at yarnthrift on all social media. We have Instagram, Facebook and Pinterest. Uh, definitely check it out there. And also you can use the code podcast 15 at checkout on Etsy. Uh, you can just type in yarnthrift in the search bar on Etsy and you get 15 percent off your purchase. Perfect. I honestly am going to say this not because I, this is the podcast, but I've looked at your product and I will definitely buy something like no joke. I, I really want to. I mm -hmm. really believe in what you're doing. I believe the product that you make and, you know, you being a successful business owner like you as a woman, um, I, I go even further for that because I know that, that that's an uphill battle. And definitely because you use your resources to find grant opportunities for housing definitely try to use your resources to find grant opportunities as a as a um, a minority business owner as yeah. a woman so definitely um that's it uh christian as always has been a great sound engineer and giving his uh criticism of me trying to take michelle <laughs> to a strip club in nude beach anytime we needed any that day, opinion man <laughs> All right, everyone. So thank you so much. Uh, you got the, the the promo code is podcast15 at checkout. Definitely go to yarnthrift.com, check out her shit, and definitely buy something. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.